the village life, honestly. I just finished reading that book. Uh, I forget by what author. The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind. And I know some of you are probably laughing, you know, William Kwankumbe. Because it does, it definitely has the vibe of like a high school curriculum level book. But yo, I was mad inspired by this book. Like uh, a couple weeks back, I put up on my Instagram story, you know, like what's a great, uh, what's one of your favorite reads? One of those things where people can make contributions. And someone said that the the boy harnessed the wind and I got it. And yo, I fell in love with this shit. Like I read half of it and then the audio book popped up on my little uh, library feed thing. So I got it. And, and the audio book was read by some like African dude. So it was great. You know what I mean? Like all the things were pronounced correctly. William Kamkumbe. And like, we, when, we re, when we arrived back in Wimbe, they were, eh, stupid girl. Eh, you're a stupid girl. You know, and that wasn't even a line in the book, but like, <laughs> bro, Africans sometimes like, and you know, the, the book is set in Malawi, right? And I'm just talking about like the general African accent of people, you know, who speak Swahili or, or uh, Chichewe is what I think they speak there, but it's like, it's got it's got this thing where it's like sometimes it's almost like a roar. It's like ah ah you are running and no wait. tell the people like sometimes it's like that kind of sounded like an African dude with Down syndrome. <laughs> but like, <laughs> sometimes the mouth opens so much like a roar. Tell Hashima like okay whatever I can't do it. But the point is this book is essentially about a kid and it's all in the title who builds a windmill in his little village in um, in Malawi uh, to kind of just get electricity. And if you're an African watching this and or, you know, if you grew up in Africa or if you've been to Africa, you know that electricity cuts are things that plague a lot of the countries. I saw it in Egypt, but I saw it a lot in Sudan. You know, Sudan has it a lot. Uh, in Khartoum, in the capital, a lot of like, you know, more well-to-do people have generators. And now it's actually more systemized in this. Now, electricity was like when I went in 2009, which is like embarrassing. It's only it's been 12 years. <sighs> I bet there's been like not the most improvement, but still like the older I get, the more I want to go back. But when I went in 2009, I remember you would buy um, cards and like almost scratch the back and type in the number into your like I had a panel at the house and it would give you like electricity just how you would pay for a minutes on a pay as you go phone same thing and i think it still would cut but i think this was like a new better system we didn't have a generator but all our neighbors had one and uh the power would cut like in the city but in the villages it would cut a lot a lot it would just be common for it to just be gone for four hours at a time. And in, in the book, it would always, it seemed to always cut at night because that's when they would, I guess, would try to preserve the electricity. I don't know exactly what the grid issue they have in Malawi is, but in Sudan, it would just be random, random all the time. It would come back in the night. Like, like in Malawi, it seems they cut it at seven all the time, but or, or, or they cut it at night because he wanted to make the windmill to have light at night. But in Sudan, I remember, would just be cut all the time, you know? The best part about it, though, was you'd be in the villages. I'm from a village called Wadil Hindi in Sudan, which translates directly to son of an Indian, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> I never had that explained, but whatever. Sometimes you're just hanging out in the village. The power's been out for two, three hours, two, three hours. And, like, 
suddenly like you're not around the light or anything and suddenly you just start hearing cheering in the distance and you know the electricity came back because it's a small village where the lindy's like maybe a thousand or two people two thousand people i'm not quite sure but you literally start hearing like <laughs> like and then you know the electricity is back and it's it's just a good vibe what's sick about the village and uh, this goes for, you know, any rural place, but so much so in Sudan in the villages is the stars. There's so little smog and light pollution, almost none, that, like, you look up at the sky and, man, you just, like, you see everything. It's crazy how little you see. Like, right now I'm living in Toronto. When you look up at night, when you get a clear night and you see stars, it's such an amazing grounding feeling. Like you feel like you feel a part of the cosmos. Number one, you're it it belittles your problems, you know, because it ma- it makes you feel better. Because you're like, wow, what the fuck? Like, who cares? I I owe Fido two hundred bucks. You know, I'm overdue two months and I own two hundred bucks, and that was really eating away at me. But then you look up at the stars and you're like, I know in a couple of years I'm not gonna be like, oh my god, Fido. I'll at least be at a point where it's like I'm not going to be worried about my phone bill. So it's like it's nothing. It's a now problem. It'll be gone. It's just money. Let go of it. It's just money, you know? And you get that in the villages a lot. And what's beautiful about the book is it goes to show just the level of ingenuity in Africa or like especially in the less well-to-do and I think and just Africa in general, you know, besides like probably who's the biggest powers you know nigeria south africa egypt i don't know i imagine that's i imagine that's probably the three biggest players everyone besides that more central and west they seem to struggle more uh and then the east you have somali and stuff like that which obviously are struggling in their own type of ways but wherever you go we'll just say wherever you go the level of ingenuity is crazy reading this book it took me back to the villages man I remember when I was in grade five, the first time I went back, like I was born in Sudan and I left Sudan when I was three. Like, you know, obviously with my family, I wasn't like the most fucking driven infant. We went to Oman, like Muscat, uh, Middle East for three years and then moved to Canada when I was six. So first time I went back where I actually, I don't have any memories of zero to three, obviously. But first time I went back in, uh, I think it was 2001, right before 9-11 fucking, we locked out. Came back, we got that last taste of unscrutinized international travel. You know what I mean? It was sweet, boy. You know, kept your shoes on. Fucking, bro, we had 350 ml bottles and shit. We're living. But I remember being in Sudan in the village, and uh, my cousin had a, a little toy truck that he had, like, it was like a broken toy truck. And he would, and we're all like 10, right? And I'm, like, seeing the villages for the first time. Like, village, village. Like, exact, Like if you watch The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind, because there's actually a movie version on Netflix, just like that. Just like the villages. Same thing. And he had a syringe, like an old medicine syringe. And he got a plastic tube. And he connected the plastic tube. And he mounted it under this little, like, toy truck that had the back. Like, it's a toy, like, actual, like, um, like, um, uh, What's it like? You know those trucks that carry like tons of soil, 
like big dump trucks, exactly, dump trucks, where the back lifts up hydraulic. This guy had connected the syringe in the tube, and he'd be like, mm, and like the wheels, he fashioned them out of bottles, because like he probably got it in the most fucked up state. And then he fixed the wheels, and I was just blown away, because like he put stuff in the back, and then he, from a distance, he pushed the syringe in, and obviously the the air pressure pushed it up, and like he had another syringe on the back end where the piston would be up. Pretty much rebuilt the hydraulic system, like a kid version. He was like 11. He was like the, he was literally like the William Kwamkumbe of Guadalhindi. You know what I mean? Like I don't know what he's even up to now, but I just remember seeing that and I was like, wow, man. Wow. Like there was none of that growing up here in Canada, you know? There was really wasn't all it is in Canada for kids that age. It's like kids have toys. Kids have actual toys and the kids don't who don't have stuff. For the most part, we aspire to have those things like in the in the shitty neighborhoods I grew up in, like the government subsidized neighborhoods. There wasn't that much of a culture of like, yo, let's build it out of anything like African village style culture where it's like. There is no lust to have this product because we know, first of all, like we're not, there's no toy commercials on TV because it's a whole different vibe in Sudan, you know, that the masses don't have money. So the TV commercials are Pepsi and Coke and drinks and stuff. It's not like, get the new RC car. Yeah, yeah, Zol, yeah, Zol got the new thing. Like, it's not like that, you know? So it's all imagination. It's all imagination. What is around you? We, like, will make it work with any junk that is around us, you know, like anything like you see the I wish I could recall more stuff, but it's just amazing the level of like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like I would go into my uncle's pickup truck like this is the adult version of it now. And like he had uh, his like. I don't even know what it was, to be honest, but I the engine had a tube. I don't know if one of his tanks, I don't, I, looking back, it wasn't, it wouldn't have been windshield wiper fluid. Would it have been antifreeze for the radiator? I'm not even sure, but he had a bottle in the, um, the foot space of the passenger side with a tube going to the engine department. Like, like when something is broke and done in Africa, it is broke. It is like seven levels of broke, you know, like, Something here that gets, uh, half, half the time in Canada, you throw shit out, not even because it's broke, it's just because you want the new thing. And now you don't have room for both, so you throw it out. And then someone comes and grabs it. Or it might be broke. You know, the leg broke. Yeah, fuck it. It's gone, you know? And Africa, man, if it's like, if it's d discarded, that means like every leg broke at some point, was re-stapled on. Those staples broke, was drilled on, was fucking welded together at some point. That broke. It's like 20 years of fixes have gotten to a point where there's nothing left of it. It's just a slab now. And someone will use that slab as a fucking roof panel on the homes. Because a lot of homes are just like mud huts built up on the side of like a brick wall with like a tin, uh, like a tin roof. Those like corrugated like tin roofs. So it's like you could use it as an actual like construction material. Everything gets reused. It's crazy. It's this book just took me back to that level like just
Hey, it's Abbas Wahab. I hope you enjoyed that sample from this week's Patreon bonus episode. You can support the show directly at patreon.com slash the immigrant section. Uh, join up, get weekly episodes, behind the scenes content. Otherwise, you can keep getting episodes every Tuesday, always. Until next time, it's your boy, Boss Wahab. Easy. Yeah, yeah. Let's use that one. Let's use, let's use that one. Yeah, it's a cut. It's good. It's good.